welcome to the More God Bless Me podcast. My name is Justin Lee, and as always, I'm so glad that you've joined me here today. Have you ever thought about how everything you do starts in your mind? The truth is that we cannot perform any action, good, bad, or indifferent, without it first coming from our minds. Thought always precedes action, whether we realize it in the moment or not. Even in the quickest decisions we make, they're founded in our previous thoughts and the current state of our mind. And this can make our minds our greatest battlefield in our faith. It's in the mind that sinful desires begin to sprout and soon manifest themselves in our actions. If you listen to the last episode of the podcast about developing the ability to discern between the voice of God and that of our enemy, then you already know I believe the enemy tries to speak lies into our minds to separate us from God. Our adversary is not dumb. He attacks us in the mind for a reason. He knows that if he can win the mind, he can quickly win everything else. If the devil can captivate our thoughts with wickedness, soon our actions will display that very same wickedness because everything starts in the mind. And I'm going to continue to say that through this podcast to really drive the point home. Now, in last week's episode, I mainly focused on how the enemy will try to convince us that his is the voice of God and how we can clearly tell the difference in his voice and the Lord's voice. And that's a very important skill that every believer should work to have. We should do our best to be able to discern between those two voices. We should be able to tell the difference between the voice of our God and the voice of our adversary. But that's not the only way the enemy attempts to deceive us with his voice. The devil also wants to speak into our minds and cause us to believe that his voice is actually our own. What I mean is that the enemy wants to fill your mind with sinful thoughts and wicked desires to a point that you begin to believe they are your own natural thoughts. I believe this is why we see so many people today living in sin and believing that's just how they are. They believe that they can't be anything else because they were born that way. But that simply isn't true. Yes, they struggle with a sinful nature, just as we all do, but that doesn't mean we were created to sin. Man was created to be in communion with God. That's what we see in the garden with Adam and Eve. But it was sin that separated man from God. And sin still separates us from God today. But it's through the, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that our sin no longer has to separate us from God, but that he's given us the forgiveness of sin for those who have been saved. He's given everybody the opportunity to experience that salvation, and for their sins to no longer separate them from God. Many feel like they were born to live what the, the Bible defines as a sinful lifestyle because they don't know God and they weren't raised to. They believe that they're supposed to live this certain lifestyle, that they, they just are that, and that's how they have to express themselves, that's how they have to be themselves, but that's not the case. The sad truth in our nation is that so many people are struggling because they grew up with no truth spoken into their lives. They know nothing of God or the Bible besides lies and twisted scriptures. Instead of having life-saving truth poured into their minds from believing and dedicated parents, they've been left for the enemy. He's been given the freedom to speak unfiltered lies into their mind. The devil has been in control of the minds of countless people today for so long that he's convinced them of so much to the point, really, where now they find their identity 
and sinful living. And the sinful nature that entered mankind through the fall of Adam and Eve has made us even more susceptible to these attacks. There's a piece of us that desires what we know is wrong. We all know it's that urge to touch the, the wall when it says wet paint, do not touch, and we're like, I kind of want to touch it now. That's the very same thing. There's just something inside of us that desires to do what we know is wrong. The Bible would define this as the flesh. We have a desire for wickedness, and that combined with the wicked voice of the enemy sowing seeds in our mind leads to sinful behavior. And that's the way it was for all of us before we came to the faith. None of us were perfect. None of us were without sin. We have all made mistakes. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. That's what we need to understand. Until we were able to crucify the flesh with our past sins and walk after the leading of the Lord, we were having our minds corrupted by the enemy, and we were moving based on what he had sowed into our, our hearts and our minds. It's because we lived out the scriptures, such as Galatians 5.24, that we now have freedom. And that verse says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. That's just what we've done, and that's why we have the freedom of thought that we now have. That's why we live without the corruption in our minds that we now have, and that's why we don't have the same sinful desires as strong in our lives. And we can't say that they're completely gone. We all still struggle in many ways, even as Christians, and even after coming to know God. But it is easier, and, it, and there's something less than it was before, and that's because we've crucified the flesh, as the Bible talks about. And the Bible even shows us that it was not in and of ourselves that our minds or thinking was changed. But the reason our desires and mindset have changed are a result of God's hand in our lives. And we can see this in Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. The reason that we are the way we are today is because our once corrupted minds have been renewed by God. We're not better than anyone else. We're not more eligible for salvation than anybody else. Our sins may have looked different, but that doesn't mean anything. God doesn't weigh sins or rank one person in relation to another. Any and every sin makes us equally eligible for the perils of hell. But all glory be to God that every person is equally eligible for salvation with no strings attached. John 3.16, the blessed verse, the one that more people know than any other verse of the Bible, comes with no pre-qualifications besides the desire to be saved. It says that he came so everyone might have life and have life more abundantly. That's why Jesus came. He didn't come for a certain demographic, certain people, people who never did these certain worse sins or sins that we view as worse. He came for all people. That's what the Bible says. He gave no strings attached to his desire. The only thing that's required of you to have life-saving salvation is the faith to live out what the Bible teaches and to seek after God for that salvation. It's a, that's a truth that every one of us as Christians must understand. We need to understand that God came for all people and that just because we may have not done the very same things that others did, that doesn't make us better than them. Yes, we are witnessing some shocking things in our world today, things that we're all aware of and we don't need to mention by name, but they're proudly boasted about in our society today. Things that once weren't even done in darkness, are now being done boldly and pridefully in the light. And these things can cause us to be taken back. They can surprise us and even cause us to become a little bit judgmental if we're going to be completely honest. But when we have those thoughts and those urges to, to be 
so surprised by the actions of the world or to become judgmental. We need to fight those because they're just as much planted by the devil as the same thoughts, mindset, urges that he planted in the people who are still living in sin today. We're not meant to judge people, and we shouldn't be surprised by the world living like the world. Instead, we should just be the church. We need to understand that wicked behavior that we see in our world today didn't just manifest itself in people's lives, that these people of themselves are not wicked. It's the devil's wickedness showing itself through them. Just like God's righteousness shows itself through our actions as Christians, people who are living in the world and don't know God, they're displaying the devil's wicked actions. And those actions were built through the years. They didn't just happen, but they came from years and years of the enemy building wicked thought upon wicked thought, layer upon layer, until thought one day became action. Sin in an environment free from the influence of biblical truth only grows. And that's what a lot of people that I think grew up in the church failed to understand. They grew up with that semblance of truth. They grew up with something. They had something to hold on to. I know I did myself. And so the sins that we end up in are different. We don't go into those deep sins because we've been taught against them for so long. We have a little bit of truth to set our minds right. We have something to fall back on. But there's a lot of people in our world, and especially in the United States today, who don't have that any foundation of faith from their parents or anyone else. They don't have anyone speaking biblical truth in their lives. And so sin is given free reign in their lives. It's free from the influence of the Bible. And so it grows and it grows and it grows until it's manifesting itself all throughout their life. They just live a sinful life because they don't know any better. And Peter talks about that. He said, you didn't know any better then, but now you know better of how we should live a life free from sin. But the people of the world that don't know God truly don't know any better. They only know what their mind says, and they think that's what they feel and what they know. But all it is is twisted lies from the devil trying to lead them further and further away from God. The call for Christians to go forth and make disciples should be so much stronger today than it has ever been before for these very reasons. Because what our world needs more than anything else is more Christians speaking truth, unashamed, not afraid of what that will bring upon them, not afraid of offending or anything like that, but also in a loving, gentle way, just as described in the Bible. We need to put those two things together. We all know that the Bible says for us to be unashamed in our faith, but a lot of people fail to realize that while being unashamed, we're still supposed to be loving, kind, gentle people trying to just lead people to the Lord. And we see this in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 25. It says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil. It means allowing people to do things to you that aren't nice, but just taking it patiently, and then correcting their opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of truth. So we, we treat people gently. We don't argue with them. We're kind to them. We teach them. We patiently endure the evil that they throw back at us. And we're just loving kind. We're the reflection of Christ in the world. He wasn't pushy or forceful with us when we came to the faith. And so we shouldn't be that same way to others. Instead, we should reflect the attitude and the attributes of our God. And really, the next verse in this is one that we should really pay more attention to in the church. And that's 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 26. It says, And they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil 
after being captured by him to do his will. That's something that in the church we don't hear talked about a whole lot, and we don't think about a whole lot. We just look at the people in the world as those are bad people doing bad things. But in reality, the Bible tells us that lost people are caught in the enemy's trap, that they are walking, acting, and living in deception. They're not following their will. They're following the will of the devil, the enemy. That's what they're doing. They are captured, and we are the ones who can see that they're captured and help them to set free. And I hate to make this analogy, but every time I read this verse, it comes more and more true in my mind. You have to think about a wild animal caught in a trap, and you go to help it. There's a good chance that that animal will try to attack you as you're trying to help it because it doesn't realize what's going on. It's scared, it's frightened, it's hurt, and you're trying to help it, and in that state, it's going to come and try to attack you. But once you free it, once you set it free, it realizes what you did for it a lot of times and is grateful and thankful, even though it can't say thank you, obviously, as an animal. But you can see these videos online where the animal's trying to attack, and when they finally get released, the whole expression of the animal changes, and they walk off, and they get a distance, and then they'll look back at the person who freed them. It's very similar to that when we go to lost people. They're caught in a trap, in the enemy's trap. They don't realize they're trapped. They don't understand what's going on. But what they do know is they're scared, they're hurting, they're sad, and they don't know how to save themselves. But when we come along and try to release them, being in that state causes them to want to not be so nice to us. And so it causes that hard rift a lot of times between the saint and the sinner. But we need to realize that they don't understand what they're doing and where they're at. But if we can set them free and they can become to see that, they'll be eternally grateful. And even if we never get the thanks for it, it's better to help as many people as we can than to try to get thanks for things. That's not the important thing. The important thing is just leading people to God. But I hope you understand that people are trapped and they're scared. And that's why they act out and why they fight out. But they still need our help. We need to do our best to free them from the trap of the enemy. We as those set free by Christ and the loving work of other godly people need to recognize when people are caught in the enemy's trap and do everything we can to see them saved. It's only by taking the lost, the truth, and humility that we can begin to peel back the layers of sin that the devil has put in their minds over time so that the truth, the seeds of truth that we sow can find good ground, the good ground that exists in all people. All people have good ground, and our seed can find good ground, but we've got to get to it. We've got to nurture the soil, just like a farmer buys a field, and they don't just immediately plant a crop, but they nurture that soil. They make sure that it's got everything it needs to support the crop. We need to be reaching into our world and teaching and preaching and taking the word to people with wicked, corrupt minds, minds that have been, been started by the devil, that actions prove that everything started in their mind. But before they're able to accept the word, we need to break through those top layers and get to that good soil. And the only way we can do that is through love, through kindness, through joy, and just extending a helping hand to all these people, being the best example of Jesus. You can be people warmed up to Jesus because that's how he walked around. He didn't walk around judging. He didn't walk around condemning. He walked around helping. And helping opens the door for the gospel, and we can help people and open the door for in our lives and in situations that we're in to share the gospel with them. Even the most wicked, most outspoken, most flamboyant sinner can receive the same blessing of forgiveness and salvation that we have. They can be transformed by the mighty power of our God. Yes, they have done sinful things, but we all have 
the Bible makes it clear in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. He wanted, God wanted us to all understand, and he gave us this verse which says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all did it. But praise be to God that he made a way for even wicked sinners like us to be saved. The devil does all that he can to fill the minds of the lost with wickedness, driving them deeper into sin in an attempt to forever keep them separated from God. And we need to realize that what we see in their lives are the manifestation of what started in the mind, and that we, with the power of God, can help them to have their mind free from the devil and transformed just like we've experienced in our own lives. But I don't want to spend all the time that we have in this podcast on that, because we need to understand that the devil doesn't just prey on the lost, that he doesn't just come and plant seeds and sow words into the minds of the lost. He does it to the saint as well, to the people of God. He does and will come after each and every believer. The devil will try to speak lies even into the minds of the redeemed, the children of God. The devil is going to try to speak lies in your mind, and you've experienced it whether you realize it or not, and the chances are you realize it. He's going to try his best to convince us to leave the faith, to give up hope, and to do things our own way. And that's something to really emphasize because I believe that that's something that the devil really uses, especially today, to come after the church and to come after the people of God. He tries to convince you that you need to do it your way, but that's not really what he's trying to do because when he says your way, what he really means is my way. The devil's trying to convince us that our way is actually his way or that his way is our way. And he's trying to convince us to live in sin and to enter back into the trap that we've been freed from. His way always leads to destruction. Only the voice of God can provide us with the lasting hope, joy, peace, love, and life that we all seek. The devil's voice offers you those things. He makes it seem like you can have them. But what he offers is a counterfeit of hope, joy, love, peace, and so on. His sales pitch looks and sounds good, just like the sales pitch of the person in the flea market or on the street market who's trying to sell you knockoff purses or knockoff this, just like it. Oh, it's, it's just like it. It's the same materials, the same things, blah, 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 blah. But it's not. It may seem good in the moment, but the pleasures are fleeting. The purse that, that you buy your wife from somebody outside of an actual store on the streets is not going to last the same way that it would if you bought it from the real manufacturer. Because no matter what they tried to tell you in their sales pitch, the truth is it wasn't built with the same quality of construction. And that's the same thing with the devil. What he promised you, it may sound good, it may look good, and it may seem good for just a moment. But with time, the pleasures are going to be fleeting. They never last because they're not the real thing. This is the truth that the Bible says. Moses realized that while he lived in the luxury of Pharaoh's house, that the pleasures of those things were fleeting. We see it in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 25. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. As hard as it can be to believe, we must never think, even as the children of God, that we're not susceptible to the voice of the enemy. A lot of people believe that. A lot of people believe that the enemy can't sway them, can't pull them back into sin and things like that. And you know what? That happens right before you fall. The Bible says, do not think so highly of yourself because pride precedes a fall. If you think that the enemy can't attack you, that's what you should know from that moment. Well, I'm probably about to fall 
because when you become overconfident in your strength and your ability, that's when you end up giving in to the enemy. We must make every effort to protect our minds, whether we think we're susceptible or not, because the truth is we all are. We're susceptible to the voice of the devil, and we need to do our best to protect our minds from it. We need to keep our minds on the things of God, doing all we can to push wicked thoughts from our minds when they try to enter before they begin to manifest themselves in our lives, before we begin to indulge in unrepented sins that will cause us to separate ourselves from God and walk away from the only truth that can save us. You know, there's a lot of this whole once saved, always saved thing in America, and it's just mind-boggling to me. And all the arguments and things like that, it's not scriptural. A lot of people, like, it's, it's really something that's only believed in America, which, is, which a lot of people don't realize either. When you go to other countries and things like that, they don't hold to this once saved, always saved doctrine. They also don't hold to a lot of progressive Christianity in other places because progressive Christianity and once saved doctrine aren't found in the pages of the Bible. It's found in the American culture, the desire to be able to do whatever you want and not get in trouble for it. That's what our culture produces, but that's not what the Bible teaches. And so I'm trying to, what I'm trying to say, though, is that you... God will never leave you or forsake you, but you can walk away from God. Just like in the prodigal son, the, the father never left the prodigal son. The prodigal son left the father. He made himself uneligible for the rights of a son. But, praise be to God, that when we do those things, we're not out of luck forever. We can return. We can be back in the father's house, just as the prodigal was. But for the prodigal to be back in the father's house, he had to return to the father's house and to the father's way of living. He, didn't, he wasn't able to continue to try to go his own way. That's what we need to realize as Christians, that we can walk away from this truth. We can walk away from it. We can live a life in opposition to God even after baptism, even after salvation. We can forfeit those things by turning away from God, by living a sinful lifestyle. Simply praying a prayer is not going to keep us on the right track. We have to keep ourselves on the right track. And the way that we do that is by going after God. We have to keep ourselves from sin, and that starts with protecting our minds, because sinful behavior, as much as we may try to think that it's something else, it's not something we just fall into. In the church, we often hear that terminology used, we use it ourselves, making statements like, oh, they fell into sin, or I messed up and I fell to sin. But you got to ask yourself, is that really what happens? Is sinful behavior just a hole in the ground with a few leaves scattered over it to conceal it from us? Can we really just be walking along and blindly stumble into that hole unknowingly? Is that really how sin works? I don't think that's how any of this works at all. Sin is something that we work up to. It starts, with, it starts small and builds over time until it finally manifests itself in our actions. One small, even, un, even seemingly unimportant thought slowly gets added to another, then another, and slowly your desire to act in that sin grows. Those who have committed the sin of adultery will often admit that it all started in their mind. Before they ever committed the physical act, they allowed themselves to commit it mentally many times. And the truth is that all sin ultimately works in that very same way. It all starts in the mind. In in the book of James, we see this point made very clear. In chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, it says, But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. 
I, I find that to be an incredibly interesting passage of Scripture because it shows us that sin isn't just something that happens. It's something that's birthed. It's something that's created in our lives and that it's something that grows. And when it does grow to fullness, it produces death. And so it's something that we obviously should want to stay away from to the best of our ability. But that verse, I just, I just find it so powerful that it's, it's desire. And then desire births sin, and sin when it's conceived births death. That's what we need to understand, is that these things don't just start. They start in the mind, and that's why we need to be so careful. We need to make every effort to think about righteous things. As Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, it says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is anything excellent, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Focus on the things of God will produce godly things in our lives. The more we align our minds with the way of God, the easier it will be to live a righteous lifestyle. But protecting our minds is always going to be a decision that we have to make every day. We have to have the decision to not allow the devil to control our minds, to not allow wicked thoughts to be birthed, but to have good, righteous thinking in our minds all the time. That's the decision that we have to make every day. We have to decide to live out the teachings of the Bible, like Romans chapter 13, verse 14, which tells us to not think of ways to indulge our sinful nature. That's the kind of thing that we need to do. We need to put the Scripture into action. Your mindset and the thoughts you have will dictate your actions, good or bad. Wicked behavior starts in the mind, just as good, righteous actions also find their start in the mind. And really, there's not middle ground to any of these things. You're always going to fall more on one side or the other. I really want to keep driving the point home that all actions start in the mind. We must first think before we do. And that goes with everything. We can't move our body without first a thought coming up. And those thoughts, even, we don't seem like we're thinking every single part of it through. But in our mind, those, those synapses, those neurons are firing. Things are happening just so that you can pick up a cup of water. And so it's the same way in everything in our lives. Thought precedes action. You have to think, I want a drink of water before you can pick the glass up and drink the water. And that's the same way it is with sin. Every part of it is a part of thought. We need to understand that. And in most cases, it's thought over time that directs our main path and the majority of our actions. And I briefly mentioned this earlier, but it's important to understand that the mindset that you carry, the one that you have in, in you, the way you've been thinking, the way that your mind is, the things that you've been allowing in your mind, are going to affect even your quickest decisions. A wicked mind is going to produce a wicked action, and a righteous mind is going to produce a righteous action, even when they're faced in the same situation. For instance, if someone drops their wallet on the street, a person with a wicked mind is most likely going to see this as an opportunity to steal the wallet. That's the sad truth. But at the same time, the person with a righteous mind is most likely going to do their best to catch that person and return their wallet. Now, of course, I'm not naive. I know that things happen for various situations. And so that's why I say most likely both parties are going to face a moment of temptation. The righteous person who has even worked to cultivate a godly mind may succumb to that temptation for any number of reasons. But the truth is, if they do succumb to it, it's probably because of their current mindset. They've been thinking about things. They've been allowing things in their mind that shouldn't be there. And that's why they chose to give in to temptation. But really, the person who's got their mind dedicated on God, that has a right relationship with him, who has a mind aligned with the will of God, 
they're they're not gonna do it. They're not gonna steal the wallet. They're gonna immediately try to return. It. They're gonna try to track that person down. They're gonna try to catch up with the person that they saw drop the wallet. But at the same time, anyone, no matter how wicked they are, can have a moment where they act against their established nature. I believe that this is a time when God impresses upon the heart of that person to bless someone, and in this case, that would be the one who dropped their wallet. And I believe that gives an opportunity to touch the heart of a person with a wicked mind in an impactful way because they feel the pull that also exists inside each of us to do what is right, what is good, what we would refer to as the conscience. The conscience is what stops us from doing bad things. But the sad truth is that many have had their conscience seared by the wicked thoughts of the enemy. At the end of the day, though, our desire as the people of God should be to cultivate a righteous mind. And a righteous mind is really nothing more than a mind focused on God. But in order to have a God-focused mind, we must lead a God-focused life. We have to eliminate distractions that can fill our minds with wicked desires. And this means staying away from the things of the world to the best of your ability. Worldly distractions only cause us to be more susceptible to the voice of the devil. Because a distraction steals your focus from where it belongs. But the distractions of this world, in our case, Sorry. In our case, our focus should be on God and the things of God. But the distractions of the world shift our focus to self, material things, and other desires of the flesh. They point our mind to places they shouldn't be. But what can we do to eliminate these distractions? How can we keep our minds focused on God? To be completely honest, I believe that the biggest distraction in our world today that should be addressed by every Christian in their own life is entertainment. The shows, YouTube videos, news, and even short-form content that you watch has an impact on the way that you think, just as the podcasts, music, and other things you listen to do as well. Even what you read will leave its mark on your mind and shape your thought. And a lot of times we don't think about it, but think about, I had this happen to me this morning, a random song from years ago, I mean probably 10 years ago, popped into my mind and I couldn't get it to go away. And like it was catchy. But it's, it in no way aligns with my face and my beliefs. And I'm like, it's amazing to me that something I've not heard, something I've not listened to in so long can still find its way in my mind. But we have to realize that entertainment is more than just a way to kill time, more than just a way to find a temporary joy. It sticks with us and it lasts in ways that we don't often realize. But it's the same way, just like you can remember a song for so long, the other things that come from a song or from a television show can spend lasting time in your mind without you even realizing it. And it's those things that can have an effect on your actions and on the way that you live your life. If we really want to keep sinful things from entering our minds, then we should replace the entertainment of the world we are so quick to consume with faith-filled entertainment. And I know, say what you will about that, about faith-filled entertainment, we need to be trying to focus the best we can as people of God, as Christians, as people following after God. We should be looking for things that are created with the purpose of getting your mind thinking about God and that don't include sinful things. So few people realize that but what you watch and listen to has a great impact on the way that you think. And, and the way that you think is going to have an effect on the way that you act over time. It's easy to say that you're not watching or listening to anything sinful, and that's great. I really hope as a born-again Christian that you're not consuming content that would be defined as sinful or that would go against what you claim to believe from the Bible. But even then, you need to consider what the Bible says both in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and chapter 10. 
a truth that stands so strong it needed to be said twice in succession in the Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 says, All things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. These verses help us to see that not everything in our faith is a black and white issue. There are plenty of things that the Bible doesn't directly teach against, but that doesn't mean that they're good for you. So even if you are not allowing entertainment in your life that glorifies sin, you still need to realize that not everything is good for you and will still have an impact on your mind. The simple truth is that such things in the faith are not black and white issues. Sometimes we need to realize that certain things are not good for us because they're not that they're intrinsically sinful, but because they can even actually lead to sinful behavior or at the least distract us from what we should really be focused on in this life. The truth is most of the entertainment we consume today does more to distract us than it does to edify us. Or to put it in the words from the verse quoted, verses quoted above, a lot of entertainment today doesn't build us up. And what doesn't build you up in the faith will do one of two things. It will either tear down what you have already built, or it'll cause you to neglect what you have built up and cause it to fall into a state of neglect and disrepair. How do you want your faith to be? Do you want it to be in that state of disrepair, or do you want it to be torn down, or do you want your faith to grow and flourish? Do you want to grow closer to God and be able to walk through this life free of worry and fear, free of all the stress and the troubles that you had before you became to know God? Where do you want to be now? I believe that every Christian, every person who has come to faith in God wants to have their faith grow and flourish and to grow closer to God, but we're never going to be able to experience those things if we allow our minds to be taken captive by the enemy. Because we'll begin to live in contradiction to the Word of God. We'll stop praying. We'll stop reading our Bibles. We'll stop going to church. Those things start in the mind, and they start by allowing things in our minds that have no place there. That's what we have to understand. Now, I'm not saying that Christians need to replace every ounce of entertainment with faith-filled things. I, I, I'm not saying that at all. You need to make the determination for yourself and your own life. Though, I do believe that there are probably a lot of people, possibly even people listening to this podcast right now, who for a time need to forego all the worldly entertainment because of the sinfulness that it's causing in their lives. They need to have time to have the wickedness that the enemy sowed in their mind replaced with a righteous mindset from God. And to be honest, there's very little good in the world's music as well. If we're just going to go ahead and bridge that subject, I do believe that every Christian would be better off to give up secular music for Christian music because in no way is sin more glorified in almost every song than in the world's music today. In no way are wicked thoughts spread into countless minds without people even realizing it more than in music. But still, there are videos, shows, podcasts, all created by non-Christians, or at least that aren't and overtly Christian, that aren't the worst things to consume. But you have to think about the ratio of your time as well. What gets the most of your time? Are you giving more of your time to worldly things that have no lasting importance? Or are you giving the majority of your time to godly things that have eternal significance? Because we have to understand, the reason that preaching is so great is that we're hearing the Word of God set over to us, so we're hearing it in our minds, and those things stick with us as well and can help us through our lives and through our week. And if we consume more 
preaching or even just more godly conversations through podcasts like this and other podcasts, then that's going to have an effect on our mind and the way that we think. We're going to be in better align with the church and with our God. That's what we need to understand. And so we need to think about what's getting the majority of your time. The truth is that it's very easy to start giving more of your time to the things of the world and less of your time to God without even realizing what's happening. It's a slow shift. It's something that happens over time until at one point you were watching these things, and then all of a sudden now you only watch things that that have no true significance in them. I It can quickly take the primary position in your life and take the time that should be given to things that are more important. I know that this can happen in my own life. It, it can be extremely true in my own life. I have to be careful what content I allow myself to watch, even though everything that I watch and listen to is not considered sinful. You wouldn't look at what I watch or listen to, and some of the stuff's even made by people who are professing Christians, but it still becomes a distraction in my life. It still can overrun my life. It can give me desires to do things that, while they're not bad in themselves either, they can become sinful. It comes down to the fact that it's just not all good for me. That pride, envy, desires for material things of this world, and so on can easily enter my mind by over-consuming worldly entertainment. Things that start in the mind, but if I don't catch them, if I don't take care of them, if I don't correct them, they can easily begin to manifest themselves in my actions. I can think that instead of fulfilling the call that God's put on my life to do a podcast like this, to plan a church, to teach Bible studies, I can think, well, maybe I should travel more. Maybe I should spend more time on myself. Maybe I should do these things. Maybe I should spend more time working on the house or that. But all those things are going to fade away and they're going to vanish. But the work that we do for God is going to be eternal. Why would I want to distract myself from being able to do the work of God? I don't want to live a lifestyle that stands in opposition to the Word of God. And I never want my desire to live in accordance to the Word of God to change. And so if I want to keep those things and if I want to be the best Christian I can be, then I have to not only focus on what I'm allowed to do, but what's best for my faith. And at times that means removing things that are distracting me from the call God has given me, the things that keep me from growing. In my case, that means watching less pointless YouTube videos and listening to less podcasts that while they're entertaining and clean add no value to my life because they're not pushing me closer to God. The great people of faith that came before us, those listed in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews, those listed all throughout your Bible, truly, they weren't concerned with what they were allowed and what they could get away with. They were focused simply on drawing closer to God, eliminating distractions and focusing on the Lord because it's only through the Lord that we're blessed to truly have anything, good and bad. God pours out his love on all people when he sends the rain, when he sends the sun to grow crops and the like. It's the blessing of God that we have. And that's what the people of old were focused on. We have to decide what we want to be and where we want to be with God. Do we want to be like those people who established the faith? Do we want to be David's, Abraham's, Isaac's, Paul's, Peter's, John's? Do we want to be those people? Or do we want to be people who didn't have faith, that didn't believe in God, that didn't trust in God, that didn't do the most that they could for God because they were distracted by things that didn't have any eternal significance, that didn't matter, that didn't leave a lasting impact on this world? Personally, I want to be the best Christian I can be and the best leader in the church that I can be. And I know that in my life that means doing my best to eliminate distractions by watching what I allow to affect my mind. Because what affects my mind is going to eventually affect my actions. And that's going to in turn, as somebody who's making these podcasts, and in turn who's somebody who's trying to lead others in the faith, 
that's going to eventually affect others. And if you're a parent, if you're a sibling, if you're anything, if you're a Christian, your faith is affecting the faith of others. And if you become distracted, if you become overtaken by the world, that's going to also have an effect on all the lives that you influence, whether you realize it or not. But you're going to have to make your own decisions about what you allow to speak into your mind. Something that I hadn't really thought about until I began to prepare this episode is the fact that in many ways we downplay the sinful nature of the content we consume. I believe that most every Christian would would quickly say that they don't watch sinful things. But is that really true? Or do we just mean that we stay away from things that are sexually immoral, that are, you know, that sort of realm? Do we put more emphasis on what we consider to be the worst sins, like homosexuality, adultery, cussing, so on, but neglect the other sins listed in the Bible that will just as surely result in an eternity in hell? It's the same way that we look at some people as, oh, well, they're a way worse sinner than I ever was. But that's not true. Sin is equal. And so sometimes we look at shows and we say, well, that's not, that's not a sinful show. But in the reality, there are aspects of that show that are very sinful. And if we look at a passage of Scripture that clearly defines the lifestyles that lead to hell, such as 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, we read, Or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality. So we get those out of the way. But then it goes on to say, nor, the, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. This passage, of course, mentions what we often consider to be the worst or the biggest sins. Those get out of the way quickly. But it still puts them as equal with sins that we often overlooked or attempt to ignore in our entertainment. Well, you got to think, even the Andy Griffith Show, what most would consider the pinnacle of wholesome television still included many of these things and made a joke of them throughout the show. I mean, they had a town drunk that they laughed at in the show. They glorified the idea of somebody being a drunkard in the show, which the Bible says will lead you to hell. We should be consuming that thing and begin to think that things like that are okay. They're not okay. And that goes the same thing with greed, with pride, with envy, with hate. We shouldn't be watching shows that glorify wicked things such as that, even if we don't think they're as bad as something else, because God puts them all in the same wicked light. And that's what we need to understand. We may think that we can ignore and look past such things. I mean, a lot of people nowadays are even trying to look past the homosexuality that shows up on their screens, believing that they can just ignore it and pretend like it's not on there. And, but, but you can't. Many people want to think, yes, those things exist in what I watch, but they're not going to have any kind of effect on me. I'm still going to hold to the truth. I'm still going to believe the truth. And that's what people have said for the last 24 years, even longer, as television has changed and introduced more and more concepts into our American culture that we once viewed as sinful as a whole nation. But now people have become more and more comfortable with. The truth is, it is going to affect you. Even if you make the conscious effort to ignore such things, your subconscious notices everything. Your mind takes it all in, and your thoughts can be shaped by things you don't even realize you noticed. And if you don't believe me, spend some time looking into subliminal marketing. It's been proven that by simply putting the right things in a person's path, you can affect their purchasing decisions, even if they don't remember seen any advertisements that day. They don't remember anything being off, anything weird, but you can do enough in their daily path to decipher and know exactly what drink they're going to buy at a grocery store or a gas station. 
that's the way subliminal marketing works. They put things in that work on your mind in the subconscious in ways that you don't realize. Consciously, the people that are being subliminally marketed to, they don't notice anything, but their subconscious didn't miss any of it. It caught all of it, and it affected their actions. And I believe that the enemy uses sin in the same way. A little sprinkled here and there that we think we have avoided or that we didn't even notice, but slowly it creeps into our minds and eventually begins to affect our actions. And that's why the U.S. has fallen so far in Christianity today is because people didn't take the effort to control and protect their minds from these attacks of the enemy. And you got to think, just think about like the majority of YouTube for a minute. Because I, I'm, I am a, a millennial, and so YouTube is a big part of my life. I prefer to watch content on YouTube more than a lot of television nowadays for that different kind of interaction that it provides and for just the, the much, what I would consider much more interesting content to me that you're not going to find on television. Regardless, like there's, I have, I'm, I, I like all kinds of stuff, travel and farming and automotive things. A lot of stuff that you're not going to find on cable. Because I'm not as into the dramas and the, all the reality TV or any of those things. And so I, I really enjoy watching YouTube. But you have to think about how the majority of YouTube is. The biggest channels on the internet thrive in discontentment. They are always chasing the next big thing. The whole premise of almost every YouTube channel is more, more, more. More places to travel, food to eat, cars to drive, tech to review, decor for the home, projects to impress others, and the list could go on forever. It's funny that this happens in pretty much every category of YouTube. I mean, you see it everywhere. As people who grow a garden every year and have various farm animals on our property, my wife and I got into farm YouTube not that long ago. And we were into it for a while, but we quickly found that it wasn't good for us because it caused us to constantly want to do more and have more than we really needed. All because those we watched were always adding something new in every video. And even in some Christian channels, you see this on YouTube because they're constantly getting the newest Bible, the next Bible, or this color, or that color of leather when you get into premium Bibles. And these people just have tons and tons of Bibles, and it gets into a real state of discontentment. YouTube thrives on wanting more and new. That's just how channels grow. That's how it works. It's what drives the platform forward. And no matter who you watch, they're always going to be chasing the next thing because that's what they think is going to keep their audience interested and engaged. And this ultimately breeds discontent into our world. And if we're not careful, it can breed its discontentment into our own lives. Something that we're not called to be as Christians. We're not called to be discontent. The Bible, again and again, calls us to live lives of contentment. We see this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. It says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content. Be content with what you have. For he said, I will never leave you or forsake you, First Timothy Six, six through eight. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and we can take, and we can't take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. Finally, Luke chapter twelve, verse fifteen. It says, "And he said to them, that's Jesus speaking, take care and be on your guard against all covetedness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions." It's hard to live the lifestyle that these verses are calling us to live when all the entertainment we consume is created in discontentment. The reason today that so many are struggling is because they are consuming content created by other people who are struggling with the desires of the flesh. It's hard to be a good, upstanding Christian when you follow a bunch of people 
who aren't good, upstanding Christians, and they're living their lives in sin, and you're witnessing that, and you're watching that, and it makes you want to do the same things, just like how watching things of people getting new things makes you want after those things. It's the same exact thing. All these things have an effect on us, and I believe that social media, that online content, a lot of these are the result, or are the cause of a lot of the problems that we see today. The problems are a result of what people are consuming. They want the fake lifestyle they see online. They want the more, the more, the more, but they don't need the more, the more, the more. What we really need to be is content as Christians in our faith. We need to take these things into account as the people of God. We need to realize that what we watch goes beyond simply being entertained, but it can have a big impact on the way in which we live. It can have an impact on our minds, and it can affect our minds in ways that we never realize. I hope that you can see how everything starts in the mind. No action simply manifests itself in our lives without thought. Yes, it can feel like we respond without thinking at times. But as we've discussed, that's not the case. What we do in a quick response, even when we think we didn't think it through, is a result of how we've been thinking previously. What we do is a result of what we think. Our minds are acting more than we realize. And all the stuff that we allow in our minds and everything that starts mentally is what is produced in all of our actions. And so we need to make the effort to control our minds, to think about things above and not below. Our goal should be to fill our minds with good things that help us to grow closer to God and separate us from the world. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 5-11 through 11 always sticks out to me because it says that if you live out what it says, you will never fall away from God. Now, this is a longer passage, but it's one to pay close attention to because it's important. It says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, you brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If we stack these righteous things together, we will not fall away from God. But why? How does this really work? I think the answer in itself is quite simple. If you're truly living out this verse and you foc your focus is always on growing in the faith, you are not going to have room in your minds for anything else. Your mind is going to be overflowing with the things of God making it so that your mind is always where it should be with no opportunity for the enemy to slip extra things in. I think that if, the, if idle hands are the devil's plaything, then an idle mind is the devil's playground. So let's not allow our minds to sit idle, but let's fill them with righteousness and good thoughts so that, they are actions may, so that our actions may reflect those thoughts so that the fruit we produce in our lives will show that we are the true people of God. There are always going to be those who try to look like Christians but foster a wicked mind. They think that they can hide. But as Jesus taught, you can always tell who someone is if you pay close attention to the fruit that they produce. We see that in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15-20. through 20. It says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. 
Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. And the fruit, of course, are one's actions. And those actions start in the mind. You have to ask yourself, what kind of fruit am I producing in this world? What would the fruit that other people recognize me putting out? Am I producing bad, wicked fruit? Or am I producing the good fruit from a God-filled, God-focused mind? Ultimately, this whole podcast, the choice is yours on how you allow this information to affect you. But I do want to remind you of Romans chapter 6, verse 13, which says, Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from the dead to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The term members used in this verse refers to any part of your body. So it is simply saying to not allow any part of yourself to be used by the enemy for evil. Instead, allow yourself to be used fully by God for righteousness. Give your mind to God by t- give your mind to God and allow him to take control of your thoughts and your influences. Don't allow the enemy to lead you down a wicked path because he was able to take over your mind. Everything starts in your mind, and I hope that you'll make your best effort to control yours. If anything, take it from the devil by changing your influences and give your mind to God so that you'll be able to live a life that honors him and so that you can fulfill the call God has placed on your life. We all have one. We all have a calling. But we'll never be able to recognize it or complete it if our minds are distracted by this world. If we've given the devil a foothold in our mind, we're never going to be able to do what God has called us to do. I hope this episode has helped you to see how everything starts in the mind and how important it is that you're careful to protect it. Protect your mind. Don't allow the devil to use it. Don't allow the devil to come into your mind. But realize that actions start in the mind. And if you want to live a righteous lifestyle, then you're going to need to cultivate righteous thoughts, and you're going to need to try to do your best to block out the wicked thoughts. And the best way we can do that is simply by focusing on God, by spending time in prayer and study of His Word, by listening to Christian podcasts, Christian music, Christian content. We need to fill our minds with more of God and less of the things of this world, which is really what this whole podcast is about. We need more of God and less of ourselves in our lives. And in the same way, we need more of God and less of the world in our lives as well. We don't need to allow ourselves to be taken advantage of by the enemy, by him trying to speak lies into our hearts and into our minds. I truly hope that this podcast has been a blessing to you today. I hope it's helped you to see truth in a deeper, more meaningful, impact way. And I hope it will help you to see that the reason that you're struggling maybe in some areas is because of what you've allowed in your mind. But if you would remove those things, if you would change your habits, change what you allow to speak into your mind, and if you would begin to focus on the things of God and fill your mind with godly things, that your actions also will change. And as a result, you'll find it easier to withstand temptation, to not give in to sin, to not live in the same ways that you've been living. But it's only going to happen if you get more of God in your mind and less of the world and less of the enemy's voice speaking to you. If you enjoyed this podcast, it would mean a great deal to us if you would share it with everyone that you could, if you would like, comment, subscribe, all those things because they all help us greatly in the algorithms to reach more and more people. Our desire isn't to be well-known. It's not to have anything other than 
the ability to reach people with the truth of God's word and to help people by giving them freely what God has already given us. That's what me and my wife both want to do through the platforms that we have and through all that we do. We simply want to help people to know God better, to develop a cultural walk with God. And you can partner with us in that mission by simply liking, commenting, and subscribing. That's a way that you can serve God in one of the quickest and easiest ways is just by supporting Christian content creators. And it's because we're not trying to become the greatest in the Christian space. That's great. We want to reach other Christians and help other Christians like we are probably doing right now, but we also want our content to get in front of other eyes. And the best way we can do that is by these platforms, whether you're listening on a podcast app, whether you're on YouTube, whatever it may be, the way that content grows, the way that we get more of a reach is through community engagement. So if you would engage with us in any way that you can, we would greatly appreciate it. It's such a blessing to be able to come and do these podcasts. We continually just want to reach more and more people with the truth of God. And so we hope that you'll help us with that. Um, That's all that we've really got for you guys this week. We'll see you on Friday for the Better Together podcast. We've kind of gotten rid of the God notes just to do to the planting a church and how that's going to add an extra day of things to our week already. And so we're mainly going to focus now on this podcast and on the Better Together podcast, though there will probably be some changes coming to that as far as name and pulling it out of this podcast feed and giving it its own. But all those things will come in later times. We'll see you in those podcasts. I hope that you have a great rest of your week. And God bless.